0: Welcome back to the Locked On Marlins podcast, your go-to daily podcast for all things Miami Marlins. As always, I'm your host, Aram Layton. I'm a longtime Marlins writer, as well as a prospect writer and analyst. And in today's episode, Wednesday, May 26th, we are going to unfortunately talk about the Marlins injuries. Brian Anderson is on the shelf for several weeks, at least with a left shoulder subluxation, which essentially means he popped his shoulder out on the swing. We saw it happen recently with Fernando Tatis and he came back a few weeks later. It's not the worst case scenario. Thankfully, he didn't tear his labrum significantly or anything like that. He would have been done for the year. So that is the good news. The bad news is that third base is probably the one position that is the least replaceable right now for the Marlins. So I'm going to discuss some ways that they can satisfy that massive hole that they have right now at third base. Also, very, very cool, but the Marlins actually signed another uh, good friend of mine and former teammate of mine over in high school, Zach Cone, shortstop. He can play all over the infield. He is assigned already to Beloit. He was teammates with Griffin Conine and I in high school, and honestly, such a talented player that's just had a lot of bad luck with injuries. Uh, a great shortstop at Duke. I'm going to talk a little bit about Zach Cone, a great upside pickup for the Marlins now that he's healthy and I'm excited to see him get going. He texted me yesterday said he was very very excited about the fresh start and ready to get going and uh, I think it's going to be a great situation for him and hopefully you know, he can stay healthy and put it together so I'll give a little bit of information on Zach Cohn, the Marlins newest infielder in their organization and then we'll wrap up with a look ahead at the series and I'm not going to talk too much about the Marlins getting shut out by Vince Velasquez somebody that they have always teed off on, I mean, it is Really bad when your offense is not able to get to Vince Velasquez for a single run. Uh, the Marlins offense is going to have some issues right now. It seems like just as they're getting healthy, then guys start to fall like flies again. I mean, we see Jorge Alfaro get activated. He smashes two baseballs, one for a hit, one for an out, but two over 105 mile per hour exavilos. So he seems to be, uh, you know, kind of picking up where he left off, which is great to see. They option Chad Wallach to Jacksonville, which is also a huge bonus for this team because, and again, I have nothing against Chad Wallach personally, but I cannot watch somebody, you know, put up a 400 OPS and strike out 60% of the time and just look the other way like the Marlins have, I guess, for a majority of this season. But Alfaro coming back, huge, huge boost for this team compared to the catching situation they had before. But Jazz Chisholm going down with a potential ankle sprain is, of course, unfortunate as well because while you seem to just be getting everybody back, Marte is already on a rehab assignment in Jacksonville. Eliezer is getting closer and closer. You got Alfaro back, and now, you know, you have two of your better players and Brian Anderson, who is your hottest hitter, and also Jazz Chisholm, who's your most dynamic player back on the shelf. Jazz seems like he may even be able to avoid the I. L. Brian Anderson, however, is going to be on the shelf for a while. So that's where I'm gonna start. Where do the Marlins go? to try to fill in this third-base situation because, really, they have no organizational depth at third base. That's something that we've talked about a lot over the past few months, and it's always been something that has been worth discussing. I think they have some guys that will make their way up and eventually make the move over to third. Salas is a perfect example. I think Jose Salas is going to outgrow the middle infield and end up at third base, but that doesn't help them right now. And when you look through the system, they don't really have that many guys that are big league ready. And it's a shame because this would have been the perfect time for Joe Dunand to really get his first shot after how he was hitting, the way he was looking um, in the offseason, in the winter leagues, and to start this year. It's so unfortunate because this would have been his opportunity and it would have been a really awesome story. If he struggled, he struggled, but at least you had your clear cut option to go with. And now he's unfortunately hurt. You don't have anybody else other than Luis Marte, who seems to be maybe the only realistic option, him and Eddie Alvarez, neither of which I think are good options whatsoever. I would argue that maybe Marte is a bit better of an option right now because Eddie Alvarez isn't hitting for a lick of power, but you're lucky to get replacement level from either of those guys. Marte has been swinging it all right so far this season in AAA. Both Alvarez and Marte are in AAA. Marte's 27 years old. Throughout his minor league career, has not swung it that great. He never walks, but he doesn't strike out much either so far. Triple A and 98 WRC plus, 278, 293, 481 slash line. I think the three home runs are nice, but I don't know if that's going to translate to the major league level. And again, with the limited walks, he's not going to get on base that much, but right now he seems to be maybe – one of the obvious guys that could slot in in the meantime. But I think the Marlins, if, if Brian Anderson's out for several weeks and you want to try to tread water here, you have to look outside the organization. You got to look to make a move. And I'm not saying go trade for uh, Jose Ramirez. I'm just saying you got to go find somebody better than Logan Forsyth, please. Don't just sign Logan Forsyth back. But I'm already looking at pretty mediocre options, but that's still fine. That's better than I think what the Marlins may be dealing with right now. I don't want to see Jose Devers at second base and then the Marlins putting Isan Diaz at third. At that point, you might as well mail it in. You might as well legitimately mail it in. I would love, and I know that this was floated to Kim Eng, um in yesterday's post-game press conference, but she kind of said the team has not been considering this yet, albeit it's early, but just kind of a dismissive answer to make it seem like they aren't even really going to consider it. But a reporter asked if the Marlins had considered putting Jazz Chisholm at short stop then Miguel Rojas at third, and then whoever at second base, probably Isan Diaz. I think that's probably the best scenario right now. Then you don't need to go outside of the organization to add somebody. You could also go John Birdie at second base who's starting to come alive after I called him out um, a couple days ago. So I'm I'm glad that that's happening. Obviously I had nothing to do with that, but anytime I seem to highlight a guy really sucking, they start to do a bit better. So I'm happy to do that uh, from time to time if that's what it takes. But yeah, that, that would be the best best option, I think, is you go Miguel Rojas at third base, you go with a platoon at second, because I don't really believe in Nissan Diaz whatsoever, and I'd rather probably see a struggling John Birdie out there who's starting to swing it a bit more, because at the very least, John Birdie brings speed, he brings hustle and just grittiness that Isan Diaz doesn't really bring. Isan, the way he plays, kind of lulls me, and then it's not like he's this you know, incredibly productive power hitter uh, that we were hoping he would one day be. He just has not even been close to that, and he looks pretty lost at the plate right now. That could be the internal option. You look at trades, you could go look for a Brock Holt from the Rangers, or a Charlie Culberson, and that would be cheap to go get, right? Of course, it's unfortunate. It seems like the Braves are hoarding all of the guys that could really help the Marlins right now. Jake Lamb would have been a good option. They go out and trade for Orlando Arcia. Orlando Arcia has been great in AAA. He could help the Marlins right now, and I doubt the Marlins are going to make a deal with the Braves. The Braves would probably want to see the Marlins kind of just struggle here and bleed out uh, with no third baseman, so they're not going to appease them here and give them uh, one of the players to trade away from their surplus. Frankly, a move I would love to see the Marlins make is one that kind of helps them now and helps them survive the moment but then can also still be a piece down the line as the Marlins try to be competitive this year, right? Like I know they just fell from one game out of first to technically last place, but the NL East is a cluster, which is good news. A lot of the NL East is banged up. You can make some moves that aren't crazy that still help you right now. A move that seems to make so much sense to me would be going to get like a Freddie Galvis. I would love to see Freddie Galvis with the Marlins because Freddie Galvis helps you now immensely. You could put him at second base and put Rojas at Third. You could probably even play him at third base as well. And he satisfies, obviously, the immediate need of just an extra infielder, but he also is an intriguing player still in general. I mean, he's having a pretty decent year 260, 323, 466 slash line for the Orioles. He's played shortstop and and second base for them. But I think for the Marlins, it's interesting because he's only $1.5 million this season. He has quite a bit of pop from both sides, has been able to produce for some power throughout his career, already has six home runs this season. He's not the sexiest option in the world, but then once you get Brian Anderson back, he is a great bat off the bench and kind of utility player for you that I would really like because as I talked about in some previous episodes, right now I mean, let's hope that John Birdie gets it going but even Birdie aside, Isan Diaz is one of your bench bats and some of the other bench bats that the Marlins have they just don't offer much offensively Magnara Sierra as well like having a Freddy Galvis off your bench that can hit for power from both sides of the plate that's really valuable and if somebody goes down you're plugging in a really high end option um, in terms of reserve players that I think would give the Marlins a little bit of depth here and help them right now big time to plug in and then also just give you a much much better bench option another guy that that could be worth considering and is kind of among the same point here is Pat Vileka, who's off to a terrible start this year. His playing time has been much more scarce than last season, but last season he was really good. He hit 277, had eight home runs, and was all around pretty impressive for the Orioles. I don't know if Veleca can repeat that. He was terrible the two years prior in Colorado, but this is still, to me, a better option than calling up Eddie Alvarez or one of these other players. Might as well say screw it and go get one of these guys for literally nothing. It would be so cheap prospect-wise or whatever it would take to go get – Freddie Galvis, or Pat Villeca. Honestly, I think the Orioles would be happy to shed the $1.5 million. They were asking players to defer $2 million salaries before this season. So if they could clear off $1.5 million from Freddie Galvis, or I guess it's not totally one5 million, it'd be like $1 million now from Galvis. I think they'd do it in two seconds. Their season's already lost. They literally have no purpose to hold on to him. And if you're the Marlins, you might as well just go get him. He would, for reference, be third on the team in home runs with six. So, I mean, he is undoubtedly a boost compared to what they've been getting from the John Birdies, from the Isan Diaz's, the Magnera Sierras, that all have come off the bench. Jose Devers, as well, who have had to either come off the bench or make a lot of starts that is just not a recipe for the Marlins to win with those guys getting significant playing time. So we'll see how the Marlins decide to play this, but I would really hope that they at least go out and get a semi decent option out there. There's enough players that can play all over the infield and help you in the short term. I could probably spend some time going through the entire league and find some other Freddie Galvis types. And that's why I think it's worth it for the Marlins. You don't have to give up much. The Marlins got Jonathan VR for Easton Lucas. Easton Lucas, I mean, they can go get somebody who can fill in right now and help them stay alive because they are competitive. Their pitching is great. Their pitching is only going to get better, and they're getting some of their pieces back. Just survive and go make that move. Hopefully they do because – to me, it seems like a no-brainer, and it's not expensive, so what is there to lose? It seems like there is just an obvious answer here, and it's to go do it. So hopefully they will. I'm going to talk about my buddy Zach Cohn and what you can expect from him at High A Beloit, and a little bit of a background story there between Griffin Conine and Zach Cohn, who have really been together every step of the way through their baseball careers, and it continues now. I'm excited to talk about that, and I will also talk about a few of the games ahead for the Marlins, and not really going to waste my time on recapping yesterday's disaster of a 2-0 ball game. Uh, Sandy Alcantara got no run support, uh, but he did have one of his most economical outings, so that was at least a bonus. The bullpen got a little bit of a rest, and they might need that rest because the Marlins have somewhat of a bullpen game coming up now in their next ball game. Going to get to all that in just a moment, but before I do that, a reminder that this episode is brought to you by Wealthfront. Day trading can be a lot of fun, but if you want to grow long-term wealth, then you should probably partner with Wealthfront because decades of data show that investors who trade individual stocks underperform the market every single year. In fact, only 1% of day traders beat the market. The odds are not in your favor if you're doing it alone. Team up with Wealthfront instead. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. No manual trades. No picking stocks, no watching the stock market every single day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences you control. Wealthfront can even help you lower your taxes you pay as you invest. For the average client, their tax loss harvesting can more than cover the low annual 0.25% advisory fee. Best of all, it's automatic. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com backslash MLB to get your first $5,000 managed for free free, go to wealthfront.com backslash locked on MLB. That's wealthfront.com backslash locked on MLB and get started today. Also brought to you by our friends at Built Bar who have nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor, but coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, There's literally a flavor for everybody. My personal favorite flavor right now is the double chocolate. I was on the mint brownie for a while. Now I'm liking the double chocolate, but best of all, no matter which flavor is my favorite at the time, because it does change and fluctuate, they are all low in calories, low in sugar, low in carbs, and high in protein. The average bar has around 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and only four grams of net carbs. And if you order today, you can get 15% off your first order by going to BuiltBar.com and using the promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off your first order at BuiltBar.com. Com. So let's talk about the new Marlins signing. Unfortunately, Zach Cohn is not close enough to big league ready to fill in at third base. But Zach Cohn is a great pickup, I think, for the Marlins. Obviously, no risk as you pick up a minor leaguer on a minor league deal. It's just all upside and you see what can happen from there. But Zach was one of the best baseball players I ever shared a field with. Honestly, when we were in high school, for a little bit of context there, he was a legitimate uh, first-round, second-round type of prospect. Every single game we had, there was 20, 30 scouts there filming his every move. It was a pretty wild uh, experience. And Griffin was on that team too, but I'll be honest, and Griffin will tell you this too, every single scout was there for Zach. Zach. Zach had committed to Duke as a freshman in high school and was pretty dead set on it. Really smart kid, 4.5 GPA, all that good stuff. And he was pretty set on going to Duke and, you know, just being a student there and enjoying a good collegiate career and then going to pro baseball from there. But of course, you have to entertain the idea of professional baseball out of the gate in high school and there was a lot of scouts that were coming in and talking to him and all that good stuff and ultimately you know the price tag wasn't met and he went to college and he had a good collegiate career started right out of the gate as a freshman at Duke as their shortstop the issue for him was that he was dealing with injuries he had a few different tough injuries that make things difficult to get into the rhythm of things and it seemed like just as he was getting into the rhythm of things then an injury would creep in there but he played Three years at Duke as their starting shortstop, he was a Cape League All-Star. Still had that great collegiate career. They were one game away from the College World Series back-to-back years. And despite all the adversity he faced, had his best year. His junior season hit 300 and 809 OPS. He hit five home runs, 19 doubles, and played great defense. And now he can play all over the infield. He can play shortstop, third base, second base, first base, and there's value to that. He got drafted 13th round and just did not have a great start to his professional career with the Pirates. But that happens with a lot of players who end up settling in in their second season and figuring it out. But unfortunately for Zach, he only had those 76 games in 2019 and then you had no season in 2020 and then we saw so many players get released due to COVID, so many COVID casualties, really good players that deserved another shot and didn't get it so now this is Zach's other shot, so he still has a lot to prove, he still has a lot of talent when you're an above average runner who can play all over the infield and has more power than he's shown, I mean Zach has hit some balls that you look at and you're just like, that got out of the yard in half a second, so as he tries to consistently tap into that power a bit more frequently again, too. This is a great pickup for the Marlins. Admittedly, I am biased as I've seen him play for so many years now, but everything I've said so far is just fact. So I'm excited about him. I am really happy that he gets another opportunity and honestly, the Marlins needed some organizational depth in the infield. So there is no doubt that this was a good pickup. When I saw him get released by the Pirates, I honestly was thinking right out of the gate Marlins, Marlins, Marlins. It makes so much sense. So I'm glad that he finally got this opportunity. And just for a little bit of reference, in 2019, he played everywhere from third base, second base, shortstop, all over the infield for the Pirates A ball team in Greensboro. So definitely a helpful piece for the Marlins and hopefully he can turn into a really good super utility guy for the fish because he has all the tools in the shed. And as he told me, really excited about a fresh start, really already seems to enjoy the Beloit coaching staff All good news, and I think that Marlins fans are really going to like Zach as he climbs up through the minor leagues because he's a smart dude. He's a really nice guy, and he's fun to watch play. He plays the game really damn hard. And selfishly, it is pretty damn cool to see two of my high school teammates playing together on the same ball club in Beloit. And a little bit of the context there, too, as I teased before the break, before I move on to talking about the big league team again, it is pretty crazy how the tandem of Zach and Griffin have climbed through their baseball careers together. So Zach and Griffin played on the same team in high school, that same team that I was a part of as well. And then they both played at Duke and then they both played for the same Cape Cod League team, the Katuit Kettleers, which ironically I actually broadcasted play by play for. And then now they are both playing for the same professional team and organization. Just a wild ride. And uh, I'm excited to watch the bullet snappers even more now, as I never thought I would say that, but I am very pumped on the bullet snappers ride because they also have a few players from the Cape team I broadcasted for with Zach McCambly and Kyle Nicholas. McCambly another great outing by the way yesterday just gets so many swings and misses. He just needs that third pitch that quarantine changeup that he was talking about. Uh, We need to see that pitch develop a bit more but the breaking ball is just otherworldly. Also Will Banfield going yard again seems like he's starting to heat up and I've just been so impressed with how good he's been behind the dish as well. If he can get that back going he's going to be a force for this Marlins organization and will quickly be a very very solid catching prospect he just needs to get the back going just a little bit it doesn't even have to be great it just has to be decent so i'm going to talk about the Marlins games ahead And a quick little farm system update on some of the notable names in just a moment. Before I get to that, one last message from our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all of the action at BetOnline.ag. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. Before next pitch, head over to bed Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the great sporting news, sign up for bonuses and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in on the action as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you have to do is enter the promo code LOCKED ON, that's one word locked on, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Ben Online, your online sportsbook experts. So let's talk about the games ahead here. As I'm recording this, which is the worst part about this Marlins rotation situation here, is that when I record it, I don't know who's starting. It's 1 p.m. right now, and the Marlins haven't announced it yet. But literally, as I hit submit, probably, as I'm done with this episode, they will probably announce who is starting. I have no idea who it will be. Uh, We saw Sean Morimondo make his first appearance in a while in the big leagues and his first appearance for the Marlins in the ninth inning. And I saw a bunch of Marlins fans complaining that he ruined the run differential, which is one of those really funny things that I guess uh, we're going to care about this year is is run differential. Um, But yeah, it wasn't a good outing for Sean Morimondo. He did strike out Wander Franco and Vidal Brujan in AAA with some slow, slow curveballs, but he is not a big league arm. And I like that the Marlins brought somebody up to just try to eat some innings in the meantime, but yeah, he's not it. So I'm assuming that they send him back and we'll see who the Marlins try to bring up to start today. They could go with a bullpen game, but Holloway's on the shelf. He's been one of your bullpen game 101 guys. So I'm expecting maybe Nick Neidert. I think we could see Nick Neidert today. I have no idea. But if that's the case, then I'm interested. I'm interested to see how Nick Neidert has built off of his first big league debut. He's had some good outings in AAA though. Still, he's been walking more guys than he typically does. So I'm very intrigued to watch that as we go now because it's probably time to call him back up and see what he can do in the meantime until Eliezer comes back. It's really only going to be one start for him to fill in here, and then Eliezer should be back on June 4th. So you might as well preserve the bullpen, see if you can stretch Nick Nitert out five innings. That would be great. Maybe. He gives you six. That would be phenomenal. But it's going to be a tough matchup for the Marlins today anyways. They have Aaron Nola on the other side and whoever they can roll out for themselves today. And, of course, the offense just got shut down by Vince Velasquez. So it's going to be tough to score on Aaron Nola right now. We'll see how that goes, but the good news is the Marlins pretty much preserved their bullpen after a great outing from Sandy Alcantara. He did not get any run support whatsoever. They lost 2-0 last night, but the good news is that they preserved the bullpen. So if they don't get a lot out of their starter today, they will be able to use a lot of their rested bullpen arms. The reason why I think it could be Neidert today is because he hasn't thrown since the 18th, so he's had eight days off, and his last outing was spectacular. He went six innings, six hits, no earned runs, four strikeouts, no walks, the important thing, no walks, and was the Nick Niedert that we kind of expect to see. So, I'm looking forward to potentially seeing him make that start today. That's my guess. I think the Marlins kind of told Jacksonville, hold off with Nick Neidert because we might bring him back up to make a start today. So, it makes sense that he hasn't pitched in eight days. We'll see uh, what the case is for him. But before that, he was pitching every six days. So, it seems like the Marlins are saving him for a reason. And I would love to see him throw well because this is a chance for him to kind of audition one more time and see if he can stick around in the big leagues. But again, the rotation's kind of full now because Cody put. Teet's shown what he can do, and Eliezer Hernandez is coming back, I think, on June 4th, barring any setbacks, knock on wood. Quick little report around the minor leagues for the Marlins, Peyton Burdick is on fire. He's starting to settle in against the double-A pitching. He's cut the strikeout rate down to 30% after it was a bit higher than that. The average is climbing slowly. He's not racking up tons of hits in games. He's not going three for four, four for five, but he's hitting a bunch of home runs. He's not striking out as much. He's eight for 25 over his last six games with... Three doubles, a triple, two home runs, five driven in, and again, cutting down on the strikeout. So all good stuff. He's up to five home runs on the year and showing a lot of life. So that is a great sign for the Marlins organization because they started a bit slow offensively. No doubt about that. They did start a bit slow, but they are starting to pick it up at a lot of different levels. High A in Beloit, Will Banfield starting to pick it up, hit another home run the other day. Griffin Conine is catching fire. His OPS is up to 936 at another multi-hit game yesterday and his WRC Plus at 155. That's team leading over there. Cameron Meisner starting to settle in a bit more at the plate as well. And Nick Reddy is starting to put it together over his last few games. So all good things from the offensive side there, another good outing from Zach McCambly, who just showed that ridiculous breaking ball. He's striking out 31% of batters right now. He has been really good, and he's not walking anybody. A 29% strikeout to walk percentage is ridiculous. We want to see him not run into as many home runs and at times just leaving the ball up. The fastball can flatten out, and that's where he gets beat. But overall, I've been really encouraged with McCambly. Kyle Nicholas has been great as well. Just would like him to not walk as many batters, that's the one little factor for Kyle Nicholas is the command. At the AA level, another great start for Max Meyer, who has his fit down to 2.85 ERA, 2.29. He's striking out 25% of batters, not walking many guys. Jake Eater has been the story of the organization in my opinion, other than Jesus Sanchez, but on the pitching side has been the story of the organization, just dominant. Striking out 16 per nine. He has just been unhittable. It's been unbelievable to see him get the start at AA as somebody who was selected in the fourth round. It's early, but he's looking like one of the best picks in the draft value wise. When you have a .6 ERA only one earned run in 15 innings and you've punched out 26 as a lefty. I mean, it is Really good stuff right now from Jake Eater, who's quickly going to force his way into not only the top of the Marlins prospects list, but also into the top 100. How can you really uh, not have this guy in your top 100 by the midseason if he's putting up numbers somewhere close to this as a southpaw with good V.O. that's carving up dudes in double A as his first assignment in the minor leagues? Like, come on, this is some crazy stuff. As for the low-A Jupiter ball club, it's been pretty impressive from Federico Polanco. I've loved what we've seen from him. He came over in that Jordan Yamamoto trade. will Burgos hitting for some power. Would like to see him more consistently making contact at the plate, but that'll be a work in progress. Also, J.D. Orr, it's too easy for him in A ball. Call him up to high A. They need some infield help in Beloit, and J.D. Orr could go up there and help out. He's hitting 3.08 right now. He's admittedly a lot older than the competition at 24 years old. Just call that guy up and let's see what he can do in high A. As for the pitching, Yuri Perez has been the story, I think, in low A, where he is 18 years old, a behemoth of a man, I guess, or of a kid. He's only 18 at 6'8", 6'9", just easy V-low. He's striking out 35% of batters. He has been really tough to hit, just a 163 opponent batting average, a 129 ERA. He has been really impressive, and the command has been so much better than I thought it would be for a guy with his frame. He's huge, and he has been fantastic. But also, all the way up in AAA, Braxton Garrett seems to be settling in a little bit better after a couple rocky outings. One really bad outing to start his season in the minor leagues, was better in the second one, going five innings of four-run baseball, striking out three, but then in his third outing, he was really good. 6 innings, 4 hits, no runs, no walks, 5 Ks. That's what we need to see more of from Braxton Garrett, but good to see him settling in a little bit at the Triple-A level, and we'll see when his next start is. Should be in the next day or two cuz that previous start was on the 21st, and it would be great to see Braxton Garrett starting to you know put it together and become maybe a back end of the rotation type of arm could be a trade piece for the Marlins we'll see what they decide to do with him but right now good to have that starting pitching depth with the way things have been going and also a guy that can eat some innings out of the bullpen as middle relief whenever you need to make those moves uh, just to preserve your bullpen especially in those double headers that'll do it for today's episode as we get closer here to first pitch hopefully the Marlins will announce who's on the bump sometime soon and hopefully they will announce what the hell they're going to do at third base sometime soon, but a lot of good things going on still. Good players coming back soon. Marte on the mend, Eliezer on the mend, Jorge Alfaro is back. There's still reasons to be happy. It could have been worse for Jazz Chisholm. He's okay. He's going to be back. He may even avoid the IL. Brian Anderson, honestly, could have been worse too. No torn labrum. will be back in a few weeks. It's all going to be okay, but we do need to find a way to fill in third base if we're the Marlins and hopefully they will do something that is more aggressive than just calling up another random player and filling them in there and just. Literally just saying, let's see what happens. I'm not doing that anymore. I don't want to watch that happen anymore. So hopefully they make a move. Anyways, I look forward to talking Marlins baseball with you tomorrow. And I always appreciate you listening. Hopefully the Marlins can pull out this series with the Phillies. Talk to you tomorrow.